0: Amen. Well, uh, the title of this series, it's a four-part series, it's called Financial Freedom, Next Exit. Because some of us are going down a road where we're really not financially free and we need to take the exit and get on another road called the road to financial freedom. And so uh, I want to really strongly emphasize This series is not about raising money for the church. It's not about... uh, Now, we may touch on tithing a little bit, but it's not a tithing series. It's about you learning how to be free financially. And I tell you what, talk talk about being uh, in his time. Is there ever been a time we need to hear a message like this? Because many of us are having to pinch pennies right now, right? And so, uh, because... I don't know about you, but our, I was thinking about just in my head our auto gas, our food, our utilities, uh, and especially if you eat out, uh, have gone up somewhere between $300, if not $400, a month. That is almost a house payment because of inflation. They say that the US inflation rate right now is about 9%. Think about your money now. of your money. Let's just, let me take a round figure because I'm not good at math. Now, I know most of us here don't take in this amount of money, but let's just use a round figure for the sake of that. That means if you pay, if you have a $100,000 salary, that means your expenses have gone up $9,000 because of this uh, inflation thing. And I know most of us make less than that, but I want to use that as an illustration. Now... There's always the old proverbial silver lining in every cloud. You know what God told the Israelites? When I get you in the land and you start being blessed, be careful because you may forget God. And there's something about financial blessings and prosperity and stuff like that that can make us get sidetracked with God. And uh, so um, the good thing about times like this when we have to pinch our pennies, is that it helps us to readjust our priorities. What is truly needed in our life and what is not needed in our life? And uh, as I said, there's a lot of people who may be hurting financially, but they're still going to Starbucks and paying $4 or $5 for some coffee. They're, uh, you know, they've got 10 dogs and they're paying $100 a month on their dogs and uh, cigarettes, and you know that for sure since you work at a convenience store, paying $200 a month in cigarettes, and then on top of that, alcohol, and they're always going around begging for money, Ooh, you know, like that. Listen, we need to be better. What was the other thing? Lottery. Oh, that just makes me so mad. Have you ever experienced this? You're in a convenience store and you're in a hurry, and there's some guy in front of you buying all these lottery tickets. And usually, listen to this it's very poor people who are buying those lottery tickets. I'm telling you, the lottery is nothing more than a tax on poor people. So, all that waste, and uh, we need to become good money managers. I wish I could have invited the whole town, the whole town of Horseshoe Bend and Franklin here. Don't you wish that we could have had them here? But like I say, this is a good time for us to readjust our priorities. It's a really good time for this series. You know what the Bible says? Do not set your heart on money. Don't think, boy, if I get the lottery. You know, if I get this job, God said, don't set your heart on money because it can fly away just like that. Before you know, your 401k can turn into a 201k. Amen? (laughs) I mean, it could just slice in half. So you're not to put your heart on on money. You're to trust in God to provide your needs. But you are to put your finances under the control of God and let Him steer you and practice His principles. And so... um, as I said, this series is not about raising money for the church. It's about helping you and I, and I'm going to be learning with you about how to be financially free. Now, I'm so bad about reading directions. Am I not, Gail? I'm, uh, say amen, sister. Okay, there we go. <laughs> A little audience participation here this, this morning. I am so bad about read, reading directions. I think it's mainly men or kind of like that, but I'm the worst because I got ADD. I read two, two sentences of directions. I'm like, forget it. I'll figure it out on my own. Now listen to this. Most of us, you see, God has given us direction in His Word, not just how to live our lives spiritually, but how to manage our money. Hey, and kids, listen to this. All of y'all, I hope you get a little bit of allowance or something like that, or you maybe some earn some money babysitting. You need to learn these principles too, especially before you get older right here. I mean, this applies to everybody, whether you make $10 a week or whether you make $1,000 a week. This applies to every single person. Did you know that there are over 25, excuse me, 2,300 verses in the Bible that deal with money. You think God is concerned about us managing our money well? Do you know God speaks about money more than He does many other subjects? I've heard someone say this. I've never validated it, but I've heard this from several preachers. God talks about the way you manage money more than He does heaven. Jesus does. So when God emphasizes something over and over again, we better pay attention. Now let me give you a flyover of what we're going to be covering over these next few weeks as we talk about today who is in control, God, money, and you. And uh, here's first week, who's in control, God, money, and you. Here's the following week, modern-day slaves. That's what many of us are. We've got to learn to live debt-free And number three, your heavenly bank account, investing for eternity. You've got a bank account in heaven. Do you realize that? How do you put money, how do you put blessings, uh, well, not money, but how do you put blessings so that when you get to heaven, you got them up there and you don't have most of them down here that evaporate when Jesus comes back? And then number four, how to get a new boss. How to get the new boss and how your work is your ministry. All right, now let me ask the question this. Why is it important that we learn God's principles uh, for money or money management? Well, first of all, there are spiritual reasons. Spiritual reasons. And here is the spiritual reason. It affects the level of blessings in our lives. You see, there's something about managing the money God's given you that will somehow... Turn up the level of blessings in your life or turn down the level of God's blessings in your life? Now let me show you there on your outline. You ready? You got it? Look on your outline. Circle. Maybe circle the reference so you'll know where we are. Uh, Jesus said in Luke 16, 11, If you have not been faithful in the use of worldly wealth, who will entrust the true riches to you? That's blessings from God here on earth and blessings from God above heaven. You know why some of you don't have more money than you do? It's because you're not managing the money you got, right? You know why some of you when you get to heaven, you're not going to have that big of a bank account? It's because Jesus couldn't entrust it with you because you couldn't entrust it here, you here on earth. Now here's another uh, thing, uh, as we talk about spiritual reasons is it affects the lordship of Christ in our lives. You see, Jesus cannot be in a practical sense. We can't say He's Lord of our lives if He's not Lord of of what He's given us. You can't. Look at what the Bible says Jesus said in Matthew 6, 24. He says, No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And by the way, you cannot serve God and sports. I mean, Something is on the throne of your life this morning. You know what? Every one of you have a throne on your heart, spiritually speaking. And something is on the throne of that heart. And Jesus said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And then all these things will be added unto you. Jesus wants to be on that throne. And guess what? He has no rivals. If you put your money on that throne, you are in effect kicking Jesus off. You can't have Jesus in money. You can't have Jesus in sports being equal in your life. You can't have Jesus in your hobbies being equal in life. There's only one person that can fit on that throne. And the Bible says it needs to be the Lord Jesus Christ, King Jesus on the throne of your heart. And you know what else? Hey, listen to this. You know what happens if Jesus isn't on the throne? You've got an idol on the throne of your heart. Something that is between you and God. And you will not have... You will not be spiritually right. You won't have the blessings of God. Jesus will not be Lord in your life until you submit your finances, not just 10%, but 100% to let God manage your money according to these principles uh, that we will be teaching you. Now, here's the next reason uh, why it's important for us to learn how to manage money God's way, and that there are some practical reasons. There are some practical reasons Now, here's a good example, a little bit of what I talked about before, but here's everybody begging government to pay off their student loans. Oh, I can't afford my student loans, but they aren't drowning as much as you think. I don't know if you can see this, but uh, here they are going to Starbucks. Here they are getting them a new iPhone. Here they are getting tattoos and cable TV, and they're majoring in lesbian studies and all that kind of stuff, a useless major. They're eating out. They, they got Gucci clothes, and it, some of them say co- uh, some of them cocaine. I think that's a little bit older. I don't know. That would probably be meth now, <laughs> or spice, or other things like that. But I'm telling you, many times, we have enough money. It's how we're managing that money. And like I said, I'm preaching. Uh, you've heard the old expression, when I'm pointing one finger at you, you got three pointing back to me. So I'm, I'm really... I mean, as I go through this series, I'm trying to check out in my own heart, am I managing money well? I think I am better than I used to, but I still got a lot of way to grow. So I'm going to be growing with you in this, okay? Um, Now, here's what we're going to talk about today. The first point is God and money. God and money is the first point. And here's what I want you to see. God is the owner. That's the first principle. You have got to determine that that money is not mine, not one cent of it. My house is not mine. My car is not mine. Everything in my life is not mine. God is the owner. That's what Scripture teaches. If you will realize that, you are halfway there to managing your money biblically and in a blessed way. Look what the Bible says in Psalm 24, verse 1. Look what it says. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world, look at this, and all who live in it. Is that not clear as a crystal? Everything belongs to God. You know what a lot of people think? Especially a lot of Christians. Well, I'll give God His due 10% and then I'll keep the 90% for myself. Listen, 100% of it belongs to God. And what He tells you is this. As a sign of my lordship in your life, you put aside 10% not to give to a church, but through a church for God's kingdom and His sake. So God is the owner. And to me, the tithe is proof of you recognizing that principle that He's owner of all your money. All right, now next thing is this. And I would tell that if I was preaching a revival, I'd preach that just as hard matter of fact I might spit <laughs> if I was preaching that a uh, uh, revival. Don't sit on the front row when I'm preaching revival cuz I get I turn it up about 20 or 30% when I'm preaching a revival, okay? Now here's this. God owns all the money. Look at Haggai 2:8. The silver is mine and the gold is mine declares the Lord Almighty. God owns all the land. Look what he says here in Leviticus 25, 23. The land must not be sold permanently because the land is mine. Now some of us have a quarter of an acre and some of us have 10, 15, 20 acres. Every bit of those, that acreage belongs to God. Then God owns the animals. God owns the animals. Psalm 50, 10 through 12. Every animal of the forest is mine and the cattle on a thousand hills. The creatures of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world is mine and all that is in it. God owns the animal. Even that cat in my house who won't have anything to do with me. Do you know Simeon came and spent the night last, last night with us? We tell him he's got free reign if he needs to spend the night with us to save a little time. And uh, you know the cat will go right to Peyton. Peyton can love on it. The cat will go right... Oh, the cat goes to Gail. I mean, will not leave her alone. Every time she sits down, poop, you know. And a lot of times Gail will be on the computer and the cat will go, boop, right up here. She's like, would you move? Cat's all over her. The cat will have nothing to do with me. And I think I'm the sweetest, most loving person in the house. Okay? Simeon gets there, a total stranger, and uh, Peyton goes... Go see Simeon. The cat went right over there to Simeon. Sat right behind him, sitting me. But somehow God's the owner of that cat. I think it's my, I think that's my thorn in the flesh is what it is. That that cat keep me humble. Um, as Adrian Rogers said, not everybody will like you when you're a preacher, <laughs> and not every animal will like. You. Anyway, getting off track there. All right, look at the next verse. Uh, what Jesus says. Now, this is very profound. I'm going to tell you a little bit about this, then we'll read the verse. As followers of Christ, we must recognize that God owns all our possessions. Look what Jesus said about this. Luke 14, Any of you who does not give up everything he has cannot be my disciple. That doesn't mean to be saved, but you can't be really, truly following Jesus unless you listen to this. Jesus said, unless you give up everything you have. Now let's interpret that correctly. Because if I see that first, I'd be thinking this. Oh my goodness, give up everything I have? Surrender my car? You know, Somebody else can drive it home today? That's not what Jesus is saying is this. (laughs) It's like you take all your possessions and you give it up to God. And you say, God, I don't own any of this. This is all yours, and when you do, you can be a true disciple. That's what, that's what that verse means, and all, was, all of us can say, hallelujah, I'm glad it doesn't mean the other thing. We'd be in a mess. We'd all be in the poor house. All right, so the first step to handling money God's way is to realize it is all His, that you are just entrusted with His money, okay? Now next is this principle. God is the controller, Not only do we need to recognize that He owns it all, but we need to realize He's the one who's supposed to call the shots with it. He is the controller. Um, God in heaven right now is not doing this. He's not up there looking at the U.S. or around the world. He's not going, oh, they're in financial trouble. What am I going to do? Do I need to send them a stimulus package? I don't think God is saying that. Uh, I don't think God is saying, oh, we need to get the Democrats out of the White House or, oh, we need to get the Republicans back back then. Uh, Oh, we need to make America great again. Uh, Or maybe the next slogan is make America not broke again. I don't know. But uh, God is the controller. Listen, he is still in control even though when you go to McDonald's, it costs you 20 bucks to get two cheeseburgers now. God is the controller. Let's look at some verses about how God's in control. Psalm 135, 6. The Lord does whatever pleases Him in the heavens and on earth. Look at Daniel 4, 34-35. I praise the Most High. He does as He pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of the earth. No one can hold back His hand or say to Him, What have you done? I don't know about you, but the more I learn about the sovereignty of God, that God's in control of everything, I can lay my pillow down at night and rest easy to remind myself, and I have to remind myself, God is in control of this situation. Look at Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things, God works, not the things, but God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called to His purpose. So guess what? Times are tough. Finances are tight. The the world just seems going into some kind of of out-of-control spin, but God says, I'm still in control, and I can use whatever happens, even low finances, for your good and my glory. God is the controller. But here's another thing. Oh, we need to remember this. God is the provider. God is the provider. Now, God forbid... God forbid we get into hyperinflation and we've got 30% inflation or 40% inflation, I want to tell you even in that, God is still the provider. God is still the provider. I'm not going to worry about that. We don't need to worry about that. Jesus said, don't worry about what's going to happen tomorrow. Don't worry about your money because God is the provider no matter our financial circumstances. Now, we may have to go out there and kill some deer <laughs> to eat or kill some rabbits, or I may have to go to Robert's and ask him, Robert, teach me how to shoot a gun, you know, or something like that, because uh, us city slickers are going to have a tough time but, uh, uh, with this. But those Reese boys, they know how to, how to get a hold of that, so may have to do that, but still, God is the provider. Whether he gives me a filet mignon or whether he gives me a rabbit, God is still provider. Look what Jesus said in Matthew 6.33. I like to share this with everybody who comes begging us for money, which is fine. Sometimes we need to meet that need. And sometimes, to me, the number one person we need to meet is our own members need help first. And then after our members get help, if they're going through some struggling, then we can help other people. There's a principle. Paul told Timothy, um, you need to take care of your own household first. And this is the household of God. And so anyway, I let our deacons determine that, and that sure does, sure does help. But look what he said in Matthew 6:33, "Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things and I put in parentheses, meaning food and clothing will be given to you as well." That's a conditional promise. He's not going to provide for all your needs, not all your wants. He's not going to provide for all of your needs unless he is on that throne with no rivals. Seek first the kingdom of God. Look what Philippians 4.19 says. Paul said, And my God will meet all of your needs. All of your needs. Physical, emotional, financial. All of your needs according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Now here's the next thing. We talked about God and money. Now here I want to talk about you and money. You see, I've taught you what God says about money. Now, here is your responsibility that God tells you that you must have. You and money. Remember, this, this particular sermon is called God, money, and you. All right, now, here's the first thing that we're taught in this... Uh, all throughout the Scriptures. I could share a hundred verses about this. Is that we are stewards. We are stewards. Hey, that's some... Uh, um, a word we don't use a whole lot. Some people know what that means, but basically it means this. We are managers of God's money. He's given us some money, he's given us some possessions, and now God says, "Go manage this until I come." We are God's we manage God's money. We are stewards. And do you know one of the greatest principles or one of the strongest principles Jesus keeps on mentioning is this, we are to be faithful stewards. The Bible talks about unfaithful stewards. Are you faithful with the money and what God has provided you? Not just money, but your house. Are you faithful or are you a good steward with your house, with your property, with everything you own, are you being a faithful steward? Now, look at what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 4.2. Paul said, it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. You know what that word given a trust means? It is required of God's stewards to be faithful. God is, listen to this, God is trusting you with what you have. Can He trust you? Can He trust you? We are to be faithful stewards. And so let's take a look at that for a minute. We're to be faithful with all that we have. Again, the danger of hearing a sermon like this, if I put this out on the board and said, we're going to be talking about journey to financial freedom, then, oh, I didn't want them preachers trying to get some money out of our pocket. That's not what this is about. We're to be faithful with all that we have. Everything, not just money, all that we have. Look what... Um, uh, let's see here. Uh, so we're to f- be faithful all we have. Then, oh, this is big. We're to be faithful in little things. Because some of you say, saying the most little thing in my life right now is my bank account. And God said even in your little bank account, you're to be faithful with what God's given you. If you were low income... God says, you folks that are low income, be a good manager of what I've given you and I will bless you with more. I'm your provider. And one of the things that shows lack of faith is when you say, well, I just don't have the money to tie. I just don't have the money. I'm on a fixed income. I'm really hurting right now. The key is the word trust. Trust. Are you going to trust Him that if you'll manage His money well, you'll seek first the kingdom of God? That doesn't mean in prayer. That means you put everything in His hands. We are to be faithful in little things. Why? Because look what Jesus said in Luke 16.10. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So... We are to be faithful stewards. Now look at this. Here's what happens when we are faithful stewards. What happens when we start managing money God's way and doing things God's way? And we say, He's the owner. You're the controller. You're the provider, God. Here's what starts to happen. Would you like to have this happen? You ready for this? We will grow closer to Jesus Christ. We sing that song, More about Jesus would I know. More about Jesus. More about Jesus. Let me tell you one way you can grow closer to Jesus. Say, God, you own it all, and I'm going to manage what you have shown me your way. The greatest financial book that's ever been written, Simeon was not by Dave Ramsey. Amen? The greatest financial book... He's used Dave Ramsey at school. Uh, The greatest financial book that's ever been written is this book right here. Everything you need to know about managing God's money so you can be blessed, not become a millionaire, I'm not promised that, but so God, listen to this, can give you this day your daily bread. Enough for that day. That's all that God has promised. All right, look at what the Bible says in John 14, 21. Whoever has my commands and obeys them is the one who loves me. What happens if you obey God? It's showing that you love Him. Look at this. And He who loves me will be loved by my Father. Now watch this. If you obey God in this, and I too will love Him and will show myself to Him. You know what God says? You obey me. You trust me. And Jesus said, I'll show up in your life. I will unveil myself to you and you will understand Jesus more than you've ever had before. And one of those ways is to be a faithful steward of what God has given you, all right. Here's another thing. We will develop godly character. Not only will we grow closer to Jesus, as we grow closer to Jesus, you know what we'll be? We'll be more like Him. We'll be more like Him. Look what the Bible, Look what the Bible says in Deuteronomy thirty verse fifteen through sixteen. I set before you today life and prosperity. Death and destruction. You've got a choice. You want life and prosperity or you want death and destruction. For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in His ways, that means even His financial ways, and to keep His commands, and the Lord your God will bless you. You cannot say this, Oh, Lord bless me. Oh, Lord bless me. Oh, I love you, Lord Jesus. And then back here, you're withholding what God what is due to God, and you're withholding and not practicing His biblical principles on money. Some of you say, man, I wish God blessed me more. Well, here's a big way, what I'm teaching you here. And this only benefits you. Do you understand that? I don't care if I was pastor here or not. What I'm saying is going to bless you. This is your blessing. Or it is your destruction. Your choice. Look what the Bible says in Psalm 35, verse 27. God likes to do this to you, for you. (laughs) To you and for you. (laughs) sounded kind of bad. God wants to do something to you. All right. Uh, Psalm 35, verse 27. The Lord delights in the prosperity of His servant. So we may legitimately pray, and I've been praying this, God, would you prosper me? but help me be a faithful steward with how you prosper me. God, would you prosper this church, but help us to be faithful stewards of the money you give us. We are to be faithful stewards. Now, here's the last verse, 3 John 2, just in case you don't believe that. Beloved, I pray that in all respects you may prosper and be in good health just as your soul prospers. Don't think when you see these nuts on TV, these evangelists who say, you give to me a $1,000 faith seed and God will bless you with some kind of big house. Sometimes, we, you know what we do? We react on the other extreme and we say, they're a nut, they're a heretic, I don't believe in that prosperity gospel and stuff like that. But you know what? This is an extreme too. We need to get in the middle and realize this, that God may not give us a Mercedes Benz, but He will do this. He will prosper us if we ask Him to do that. But we must be practicing His principles for money to put ourselves in a position where we understand God and you, what's required of you, and money that He talks so much about in Scripture. Let's bow our head with prayer, in prayer. (laughs) Let's bow our head in prayer. Your eyes closed.